Last week on Let's Talk Supply Chain, we brought you a must-listen episode of Thoughts and Coffee. I was joined by founder, CEO, and author Steve Ferreira for an episode that was as much fun as it was insightful. I got the chance to personally congratulate Steve for the amazing video he made for our five-year anniversary contest. And if you haven't had the chance to watch it yet, go check it out over on LinkedIn because that video won Steve the very first pair of limited edition Let's Talk Supply Chain custom Air Force Ones. And of course, we also talked about supply chain. We chatted about why students are flocking to supply chain, about Steve's article in which he explains why FMC offers false hope to shippers. And we asked the big question on everyone's mind, exactly what is happening in the ocean freight market. So if you're wanting to discover the latest ocean insights from an industry leader and have a little bit of supply chain fun, well, you need to check out this episode. You can find it over on letstalksupplychain.com on our YouTube channel or anywhere else that you subscribe to the show. It was episode 340. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community, new innovations, and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. When you're looking for cutting-edge resources on innovation and trends across supply chain, where do you go? What about when you're on a mission to find like-minded professionals and cultivate relationships that go beyond an emoji reaction? And what about when you're trying to generate leads, build campaigns, and get ahead of the game in the unique world of supply chain marketing? Supply Chain has been missing a single collaborative hub that brings people and ideas together in an environment that is safe yet stimulating for everyone until now. Just one platform that's as dynamic and innovative as you are. Welcome to the Secret Society of Supply Chain, a private network for the supply chain community. An industry first brought to you by supply chain media entrepreneur, Sarah Barnes Humphrey. The Secret Society of Supply Chain brings professionals of all backgrounds and experience levels together in the industry's largest dynamic network, focusing on industry learning and career development, as well as networking and community. The Secret Society of Supply Chain hosts all the content, connection, and creativity you need for supply chain success. But which group is for you? Well, head over to letstalksupplychain.com, find the Secret of Society banner, and take the quiz and join our waitlist. There are limited number of spots available, so make sure to get on that waitlist so that you are one of the first into the Secret Society of Supply Chain. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. Now, before we dive in, I'm going to ask you a question. How many kilograms of carbon emissions has today's guest saved so far? Well, let us know on social media and keep listening because all will be revealed at the end of the show. So today I'm joined by a company that is on a mission to drive efficiency and reduce costs to increase the number of containers operating effectively across Canadian ports. I can hear so many of you, many of you shouting yes, because ports and containers have been, shall we say, well, a top cause for headaches the last few years. So who is bringing us some relief with their container efficiency mission? Well, I'll reveal it after the poll of the week. So the question that we asked you, which is more important? 
follow-up or follow-through? Well, 79% of you said follow-through and 20% of you said follow-up, which is really interesting. If you're a marketing or a salesperson, you definitely want to tune into this particular question. Justin says the entirety of the customer service satisfaction cycle. You lay out a plan and make a commitment to getting the job done. You and your team get the job done as expected while keeping your customer updated throughout the process. You follow up with your customer and seek sustains and improves from your customer. You can't place the follow through above the follow up because without the follow up, how can you verify that you met the customer's desired end state or show your customer? customer your value, you value their feedback regardless of if the mission was completed as planned. Steven, get it right the first time. Okay. Susanna says both. And so thank you so much to everybody who weighed in on the question of the week. Which one is more important to you? I mean, sit down, think about this. Follow up or follow through. And remember, we ask you a question every single Wednesday morning across LinkedIn and on Instagram. So make sure that you weigh in and you could be featured on an upcoming episode. So now back to today's episode and which innovative software brand is joining me today? Well, it's tracking. Tracking is a digital platform for sourcing, managing, and returning empty shipping line containers. Inspired by their passion for community and dedication to the environment, the platform replaces outdated shipping processes and increases the reliability and predictability of empty containers ultimately reducing carbon emissions and contributing to a greener, brighter future. And it's Patrick Lowe, founder and president at Tracking, that is joining me today. Patrick started his career working in the logistics industry back in the early 90s and was focused on supply chain between Canada and Japan. Quite the challenge in the 90s, I'm sure. But he has used all of those experiences over the last 20 years to found and grow businesses that tackle those challenges and drive the industry into the future. I cannot wait to find out more. I'll be asking Patrick all about tracking and what they do, bringing predictability and precision to container management, and the importance of working together to remove waste from our shared supply chains. So welcome to the show, Patrick. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for having me. Finally, after a long stint of, what, a couple of years now, you invited (laughs) me, and so I'm finally on board here. Thank you. I am so excited to have you here. Like you said, this has been a long time coming. You've been working on this company for a little while now. And I've been excited about it since the moment that you told me. And now that we are actually doing this episode, it's like a full circle moment for me. Plus, I get to share your journey. I get get to share your story. I get to share everything about your company with our community. And so really, really excited to do that. And you are really helping to tackle the many issues that we're having with containers. I mean, it's not something we talk about that often, really, but as the last few years have shown the impact you know, of available containers at ports can have is so, so, so big. So I'm excited to put that and yourself and the company in the spotlight today. So let's start with you because your background is fascinating. Give us an overview of your journey and how and why you founded Tracking. So my background is actually in logistics for the last 25 years uh, with the 
forwarding company, a warehousing company, trucking company. So I know a lot about sort of logistics. And so it's a bit of a change uh, in 2019 when I want to get into tech because I know nothing about writing code. I know nothing about Python. So it's a bit of a shift, but I've realized that, you know, a lot of that um, experience that I've had in, in, in the past really has helped me understand really what the problem is, where the bottlenecks are from the ground up. And so that has given me a lot of um, knowledge in terms of figuring out how to apply tech into a specific problem on the container side. Well, we need more of that, I think, in tech for supply chain, you know, really hands-on experience of what you've seen in the industry and how that's actually affected yourself, affected clients, and how do we solve for that, right? And so you've touched on the challenges and some of the bottlenecks you were seeing, but what about now? Because I think the landscape of the industry has changed a lot in five years with the pandemic just blowing things wide open. What do those challenges look like now as we're heading towards the second half of 2023? Yeah, so things have definitely changed in terms of landscape. It's obviously we are not in the same predicament as we were, but we're seeing some of the aftermath effects. So for example, here, and I'm talking about Canada, not not North America. In Canada, we've of course had a bit of a slowdown and there's been a lot of uh, over inventory on the East Coast. In Toronto, a lot of containers, empty containers, haven't been able to return them back to the rail depots because of the over inventory. And so truckers are finding it difficult when they have to wait a, you know, a few hours to return their empties. And so our one of our platforms, or one of our modules is giving that visibility to the trucking companies to see when they can return those empties back to the depot or back to the rail without them waiting two hours, three hours. for Yeah, because that two to three hours could be another load for them, right? Another paid delivery. Yes. They could have more money in their pocket. Instead, they're standing around waiting to be able to deliver empties. And that is not conducive to anybody. I mean, no matter, no wonder we have some disgruntled truckers. Yes. Right? And so we need to solve for that. I think that oftentimes we've made an assumption that truckers or the trucking community, uh, part of their job is waiting. Right. But I think that assumption is, is, is wrong because obviously waiting means time and time means money. And of course, that comes with you know fuel consumption, CO2 emissions and all of that stuff, right? Um, so obviously trying to change that narrative yeah. in the sense that how do we make it more efficient you know, really for the guys that's pulling the containers. Uh, and so, of course, there's a lot of talk about uh, fluidity and uh, dead runs and things like that. So uh, I think what what our platform is trying to do is really solve those basic uh, efficiencies, mm-hmm. not rocket science, but just trying to provide visibility to the users of the containers. Well, and change the narrative. I mean, it's companies like yours that are also going to support that community to be able to change that narrative and show what optimization can actually look like. So talk to me about tracking. Talk to me about what exactly it is that you do and how you help your customers. So tracking is a online platform and we've got three different modules. The modules are uh, independent 
but really in our next enhancement, it's all about connecting those modules. So the first module is street turns, uh, which a lot of companies talk about or matchbacks. So uh, explain a street turn or a matchback to me, just yeah. in case I don't know. So Sarah, thank you. So what a street turn is, is that when a uh, trucking company has an import load mm-hmm. and delivers the product to their customer, instead of the container returning back to a depot or a rail or a terminal, that container can be reused for an export load. And therefore, the benefit for the uh, cargo owner or the trucking company is, of course, they could reuse that container and save one leg, save costs, avoid the gate-in, gate-out charges, which the shipping line love, and, of course, decrease the, the CO2 emissions. So right. that's the street turn definition. Amazing. Thank you for sharing that. I just had to yeah. pause you there just for some acronyms because some people may or may not know, or they might actually call it something different. That you know, that's a great reminder. And and I have to often remind myself not to sort of take <laughs> for granted that I use some of these terminologies that perhaps people might not be aware of. Because you and I have been in the industry so long that they too just long, roll off long. the tongue. Exactly. <laughs> so what's right. the second module? So the second module is an empty release module. So what that is, is that, you know, for a lot of exporters, for the last 25 years, they might make a booking and the normal process is that they have to call or email or perhaps some have to fax to a shipping line to get and obtain an empty container. Uh, So that process is obviously very tedious, very labor-intensive, a lot of paperwork involved. And so we've digitized that process now on our platform where a trucking company or a BCO or NVO can go onto the platform with their existing booking, request the empty container from that specific shipping line, and get that done in a matter of seconds instead of hours. Right. So that's the second module. Amazing. And I think you have a third one? So the third one is the opposite. So it's the empty return module. Okay. Uh, so rather than going onto each individual shipping lines website, uh, again, you can uh, go to our platform, register your container, figure out where you want to return the container, depending on your convenience, uh, the time, and have the certainty that when you return that empty, you're not going to be refused at the gate. So that's the empty return module. So much savings in amount of like time and hours, like we were talking about before. It makes a huge difference. And it might not make, you know, a huge difference necessarily to one person in the supply chain, but it makes a difference for a variety of other people that we need to consider if we're all going to work together. So I'm so glad we're talking about this because it's definitely something that's needed in the industry. Now, before we go any further, though, I want to understand who your ideal client is. Like if I'm sitting in the audience and I'm really liking what I'm hearing in this episode, who do I need to be or what do I need to look like to be a client of tracking? So that's an interesting question, Sarah, because I would say that the client actually comes in different buckets. Okay. Uh, So I would say one part of our client is our digital partner, which is the shipping lines. Mm -hmm. Without the shipping lines, there's there's no platform because they, of course, have to share that data. The second obvious customer are the trucking or the drage companies. They're the ones that pull in the container. 
And they are, of course, are the ones that, of course, see the savings immediately. Mm-hmm. But they, of course, aren't the cargo owners. Uh, and so some of those savings are passed on back to the NBO uh, or the BCO or the beneficial cargo owner. So all four of them are the customer of, of that platform, directly or indirectly. But then, of course, we can look at, you know, the terminals or the depots Mm-hmm. because they might not have the direct benefit uh, immediately. But of course, if they have more certainty of when um, containers are returned or when containers are picked up, obviously they're going to have more fluidity at the gate. Mm-hmm. So I think what we've recognized is that, you know, like you said earlier, so much of the supply chain is linked together mm-hmm. um, that all those stakeholders and the players are all inter- interlinked. Right. Uh, and the benefits hopefully will have, um, you know, across the board, not just for one specific stakeholder. Well, and lasting effects and impacts, which we're going to be talking about a little bit later as far as sustainability. But I want to dive back into those three modules. Now, the empty container release module. Can you Do you have any examples or some stats that you can share for how the platform has delivered for a customer? Yes, yeah, so um, what we've launched our platform in August. We've done probably over uh, 13,000 transactions since mm-hmm. August. We've had two out of 13,000 that were quote-unquote dead runs. So in other words, 99.99% when truckers go onto our platform and request an empty, mm-hmm. they are almost guaranteed that they will get that empty container at location with the shipping line that they choose. Mm -hmm. And so with with that, of course, it's only a short period of time. With that data, um, I feel confident that, you know, as I talk with different trucking companies, they don't have to fear that, you know, they're going to dispatch a truck, wait at the gate or the terminal or at the rail and figure out, you know, do I need to wait an hour or two hours? Yeah. It's easy for them. Now, of course, there could be traffic that I can't control. Um, <laughs> Come on, Patrick. <laughs> I try to, but no, it's, it's not with my heart to do that. But uh, I think what we can control, of course, is certainty in terms of what that container, uh, where it is and who is it mm-hmm. for, for that specific booking. And as far as like industry benchmarking, what did it, what does it look like? without tracking like how how disjointed is that process you know uh, that's a good question there's not a lot of industry benchmark or stats or kpis but just inferring from talking to different trucking companies that percentage was probably between five to eight percent in terms of dead runs wow so out of a hundred containers trucking company says you know five to eight times I've had to be turned turned away or I have to wait for a couple of hours and realize there's no empty containers there. So if we brought that 5 to 8% down to, as I said, 0.001%. Now, of course, it's not uh, a uh, metric that I'm holding on firmly because we haven't onboarded all the shipping lines, but it's a good, at least a good, good reference point for us to mm-hmm. look at aiming and targeting and really giving that confidence to the community and, and to the um, ecosystem of, of container moves. 
Absolutely. Now talk to me about the street, the street turns module. What kind of examples and stats do you have for that one? Like you just gave us for the empty container release. So the street turn is a bit more straightforward. Uh, we've launched that a few years ago. Um, we've done probably over 20,000 transactions. Um, all, all the transactions have been fulfilled, meaning that basically as long as it's not a, a container that's off higher from the mm-hmm. shipping line, mm-hmm. most of the well, all the containers can be reused as an export load. And so the immediate benefit, of course, for the trucking company or the potentially for the cargo owner is, again, quick turnaround for the container, mm-hmm. savings in terms of that leg. And then third, of course, you know, decrease in terms of carbon, carbon emissions. Um, so that's a very straightforward win-win for everybody. Absolutely. And then do your like the the other module that we were talking about, which is the empty containers that are being returned, right? Because we already talked about the empty container release, but the empty container return, are you seeing the same kind of numbers and the same kind of stats with that particular model that you are with the release? So the empty return, the volume is not as uh, as large as the other two modules because mm-hmm. we launched in Toronto as of January the 3rd of this okay. year. So it's a smaller quantity. But in terms of the results, I would say it's, again, 99.99% that when the trucker applies for the empty return, mm-hmm. he doesn't have to be turned away at the gate. Um, in fact, actually on our platform, we show the quantity um, that is available to be returned at that specific depot. So whether it's 100, whether it's 300, uh, the trucker knows, you know what, I'm I'm the 299th container being returned and there's only one slot left. So that gives a lot of confidence, again, really to to the the dispatcher, to the driver. Mm -hmm. And of course, with the NVO, um, they don't, of course, have to pay for detention or demerge, knowing that if they go through our platform, that container is returned at Depot A or Depot B or where, where, where have you. So that is a really great point. And I was going to ask you about that because now you're providing the data. Yes. You're providing the visibility of, okay, well, if I went in on June 3rd and I was 299 and there was only one slot left and I had to wait for 10 hours to be told to turn around and come back tomorrow yes. versus I get an appointment on June 4th to take it back and they charge you, right, for detention yes. or demerge potentially between June 3rd and June 4th, you yes. can go back with the data and say, listen... I would have tried on the third, but there was no openings. I went in on the fourth. I shouldn't be charged for that day. I think part of that, you know, sharing of that visibility is to give confidence and to yeah. give actually real data, you know, to to the people returning the containers and saying that, look, you know, you have choice. Yeah. Um, now, going onto a platform, there's a cost. It's not like it's free. Right. But I think part of it is to give truckers the availability and so and saying, look, you don't have to use our platform. You can wait. If you've got five free days, you can wait. You don't need to go through our platform. But at least it's a choice. It's a backup yeah. you know, for, for truckers. And I think that's what truckers want because mm-hmm. the container sitting on their chassis, 
they make money in terms of turns. And the last yeah. thing they want is to, for the empty container to be sitting on the chassis for three days. Mm-hmm. But with the different modules, like the street turn, they have the option of returning the container. Mm-hmm. Or if they find a load that's for export, they can reuse it as well, right? Mm. And so it's trying to give more and more uh, opportunities where the box could be turned, uh, returned, or to be reused. Absolutely. And I love all of that because at the end of the day, it's data that's going to bring us all together, right? As long as we're using it in the right ways and for the the right uh, end result that everybody is looking for. And those end results are optimization, right? They're like, how do we make sure that everybody along the line is not getting frustrated? Everybody's making money. Yep, yep. And, right? and, and, and Sarah, you, you've brought, you know, a lot of sort of good points, the word efficiency and optimization and digitization. And I think those are buzzwords that, that has been used quite a bit in our mm-hmm. industry in the last few years. And those are great um, things to strive for. I think what I, because of my background coming from really grassroots and from the bottoms up, it's really trying to apply it very practically for the different stakeholder groups and saying, okay, I can talk about digitization, but what does it mean to your pocket? Yeah, exactly. What does it mean to, to your time? And yeah. so by translating some of that into actual dollars and cents, I, I think it gains a lot of, um, uh, you know, adoption. Hopefully that's what I'm trying to build. Mm-hmm. Adoption, not just with one group, but other groups, because part of it is really an ecosystem. Yeah. Because I'm only solving one problem. How do I look at then have APIs with other software companies, where it's a TMS or, or, or another system where we can have that integration and everybody wins, mm-hmm. but everybody has a choice if they want to pay for or not pay for it. So I, yeah. I like having choices. And I, I think part of it is, you know, coming from a logistics background, having scenarios and having options. Absolutely. So you talked, you touched on it a little bit, but what is the impact of these kinds of services? How do you see it solving big challenges that we're seeing in the industry and start to reshape what the industry looks like? Because I really feel like tracking is going to be that platform, that software that's able to reshape some of what we have said is always been done. I, I think at least here in Canada, Sarah, and I can only speak about Canada just simply because it's launched here in Canada. I, I think that the first thing, it really starts uh, creating opportunities for different groups to have communication. Mm-hmm. You talked about data and visibility. That, that's a very sensitive subject, right? Who wants to share, <laughs> she wants to share data. Right. So I guess I'm trying to create those opportunities for communication and that way it creates hopefully groups that can find solutions to those problems. So that's the first thing. I think the second thing is that I'm trying to, to, to create an ecosystem where it's not just tracking as one platform. It's an ecosystem where other software technology companies or other competitors can come in and say, look, we have this, you have that. How do we look at working together? Mm-hmm. Um, we're having digital partnerships with other tech companies outside of Canada 
because our philosophy is I don't want to spend money building something that I can find elsewhere. Right. I want to look at partnering, having a licensing of some sort agreement, and then providing that cumulative um, effect in terms of doing that. So I, I would say that's number two. Mm-hmm. And then I think the third thing, of course, is it changes um, behavior. I think that's the key thing. Yeah. Because as soon as you have to pay for a service, you think twice about using that. Mm-hmm. And so by changing behavior, hopefully we don't take it for granted that, you know what, empty containers, they're supposed to be for free. Well, yes and no. It's for free because it's been a standard, but right. there's a cost that maybe you don't see today that somebody else is bearing the cost. So those are the three things that I, I see, Sarah, in terms of how to augment that um, that solution for Canada and for the logistics. Yeah, and also perspective. I think you spoke about this at the top of our conversation, is really changing the perspective around the fact that no truck drivers are not about waiting like it's yes. that part of the industry is not about waiting right that part of the industry needs to be optimized yes. so that everybody wins and that yes. that's what i really like now i alluded to it before sustainability yeah. and that is another huge impact right because ports shippers carriers they're all tasked with different but equally ambitious esg goals and there's a lot of worry about how exactly they're going to achieve them so talk to us about how tracking is helping to reduce carbon emissions and how can organizations leverage your technology Technology to meet their own ESG goals. So on our platform, on the very first page, at sort of this very bottom, we show the CO2 emissions saved in each of our modules and then the total amount. What we assume is that, of course, on the street turn module, by saving one leg, there's going to be obvious, obviously savings in terms of the, the CO2 used on, from the gasoline Mm-hmm. that's being saved. Then from an empty release and empty return module, we've had to average in terms of the waiting time. And, and most trucking companies have told us, you know, on average, we, we have to wait in terms of turnaround one to two hours in terms of mm-hmm. at different locations. Now, if you add up two hours times the 10,000 transactions or 30,000 30, transactions we've, we've had, imagine how much we've saved already But I think what what we try to do is also be very pragmatic, Sarah, Mm -hmm. because I'm only playing a very small part in terms of the whole CO2 emission. I think, again, it goes back to what I said earlier. I hope that it creates dialogue in terms of with our customers, with their customers and going, how how does everybody within the ecosystem play a small part? Because it's not just the shipping lines. It's not just the LNGs in terms of their, their replacement of the vessels. Well, that's a significant part, but how about the small pieces? How do we put all of those pieces together in terms of helping the better environment for, for all of us? And that's supply chain is the biggest puzzle of the yes. all, right? Yes. <laughs> and like, hopefully we'll solve it that? before we retire, Sarah. <laughs> you think? Hopefully. Maybe. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, with with everything moving so quickly, I mean, you never know, right? 
Um, So one of the questions that I get asked all the time um, when I'm talking to technology providers, platforms like yours, what does integration and onboarding look like, right? What can customers expect in terms of timeframes, IT resources, things like that? Because when we're looking at new technologies, it's one of the biggest questions on everybody's mind. Yes. I think the biggest point in terms of the onboarding is again the trust factor mm-hmm. and the time factor because there's no one technology that's going to solve everything. It's not the click of a button. Right. Every time that we onboard, whether it's a digital uh, partnership with a shipping line or whether it's a trucking company or whether it's a depot, um, they have their own legacy system. They have different things that we have to remap. And it takes time. It takes effort. It takes, you know, a lot of openness. So I I would say that onboarding phase one, obviously, is having that understanding of what that commitment of time, what that commitment in terms of onboarding. Now, for some some companies, it's easy. Uh, Some companies are very tech savvy. Mm -hmm. Others perhaps might not be. And so for those that aren't, we would provide also solutions in terms of what makes sense for them. Um, so I would say one is, of course, the trust and the time factor. Number two is I always like, even though we're on this Zoom call, I always like the face-to-face, mm-hmm. sitting down with the, the, the customer face-to-face, seeing where they're at, seeing how they're operating, the team that they have, because that, I think that tells a lot. And so we want to walk alongside one company, one trucking company, one shipping line at a time. Mm-hmm. I'm not in a rush, um, partly because I understand the industry that we're in. It takes time to change. And so part of that is really not um, applying some of the tech expectations to our industry. Mm-hmm. Um, walking alongside is very important, I find. So those yeah. are the two things I've seen. Awesome. And so for your platform specifically, is it a plug and play or does it take, you know, a little bit of time for onboarding? I would say um, on the digital partnership with the shipping lines, it's very much a plug and play Mm -hmm. for the trucking companies. If they wanted to integrate to their TMS, Uh, depends on what TMS system capability is. Mm -hmm. If they just want to use the online platform, they can use it it's very easy to do. Awesome. Okay. I'm glad that you shared that. Now I want to have a little bit of fun with you right now, and I'd like you to get your crystal ball out. (laughs) Do you think that self-driving containers are the future of transportation? Now we've talked about self-driving trucks and maybe that's part of the, uh, part of the conversation here, but I just read that we have the world's first self-driving ferry that launched in Sweden. So I want to get your take on this and what you think the future of transportation looks like. Well, I think the technology of self-driving trucks, uh, it's, it's very much in the near, near future, very, very short time in the next three to five years. The challenge isn't so much about the technology. I would say the challenge is the, in the infrastructure. Mm. So when you look at, say, Singapore, I know that they've been testing specific dedicated lanes for self-driving trucks. Uh, or for terminals where it's a confined area. 
mm-hmm. where you can have trucks moving containers around the terminals. Okay. Those scenarios make sense. But when it comes to sharing a highway with a passenger uh, vehicle with a family of four, I see that as some challenges and until that infrastructure is in place where you might have a specific barrier. But then I think that involves obviously government involves communication with the Department of Transport. Those pieces will take a long time in terms of getting some of that in place in the near future. Or maybe we'll just go all jets in and passenger vehicles will be in the sky. Exactly. And autonomous vehicles will be on the road. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I, I, have, I have put my name down for a company that's based in UK uh-huh. where it's actually a, a um, back, back to the future car where you can be in the air for 30 minutes. So I did put my name down for the waiting list for that. <laughs> how long is the waiting list and how long do we have to wait for that video, Patrick? I think it's, it's going to be two and a half, three years. That's what I was told. Okay, But you're going to take the video and send it over to me so I can. That's, that's you know, right. No, I'm going to drive it there. I'll drive it there. <laughs> I love that. All right. So finally, then, what does the future hold for tracking and for the industry over the coming year? I think for us, it's just onboarding uh, more digital partnership with shipping lines. Um, that's number one. Um, and then second of all, the Port of Vancouver has talked about a uh, port community system. And this is something that I've uh, completely support in terms of what Canada can look like as government-led uh, initiative and having companies like myself being part of that spoke in connecting to that port community system. So I see ourselves um, expanding into more functionality in terms of the day-to-day operations and feeding it, feeding that to a port community system in the future, where then across the board, across the country, you could see that data depending on what you want to see. Amazing. Amazing. Well, I cannot wait to watch your growth and see what you do and the impact that you make in the industry. A look at recent headlines show that Canadian and U.S. ports are still in rough waters. Widespread strikes are halting operations at the same time that multi-million dollar infrastructure investments are being announced. It's clearly a time of disruption and change. So now more than ever, it's vital that you ensure you have the right partners and processes in place to help guide you through. And if you're dealing with containers, you need tracking. Tracking connects terminals, shipping lines, container depots, drayage companies, and import-export groups across North America, allowing all drayage companies to easily source, manage, and return containers quickly and easily. And in this climate, that is priceless. If you want to find out more, you can check them out at tracking. That's T-R-A-K-K-I-N-G dot com. A massive thanks to Patrick for joining me and to the team at Tracking for making this episode happen. Patrick, thanks so much for coming. Thank you so much, Sarah, for inviting me. Thank you. Did you know that the average cost of losing an hourly supply chain worker has reached $19,607? And that recent research shows that 77% of hourly supply chain workers are considering a job change in the next three months. This could have a huge impact on your productivity, bottom line, and culture. Workstep is helping supply chain companies to better engage their distributed hourly workforce at scale 
Understand the true reasons behind their workforce turnover and take actions to make positive changes and reduce attrition. Workstep has successfully helped many companies reduce their frontline worker turnover by up to 36%. Visit workstep.com to learn more. If you enjoy our show, there's a few ways that you can support our show. You can follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. You can also follow us on TikTok. I even have my personal TikTok that you can go and check out under Be Victorious. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel, Let's Talk Supply Chain, and subscribe to our newsletter over at letstalksupplychain.com. You can also find some really cool merch in our shop at letstalksupplychain.com. And on the homepage, you can get our exclusive supply chain dictionary for free. And remember, we have a brand new community coming out, or it's already out there, called the Secret Society of Supply Chain. This is our new membership group bringing supply chainers, creative professionals, women in supply chain together in a community to share content, share ideas, network with each other. So head over to the homepage on letstalksupplychain.com, find the Secret Society of Supply Chain banner, take the quiz and join our waitlist because we have limited spots available. And remember, if you want to be featured on an upcoming episode, head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show great week everyone thanks for listening and remember ship happens